When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Before we get into today's interview, just wanted to remind y'all to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you go, uh, and to follow us on socials. They're all at ProBookNerds, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you want to send us an email, just reach out at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. With that, let's get into my interview with Anna Mariano. My guest today is an author, teacher, tutor, and dog parent. Her writing includes Love Sugar Magic series, This Is How We Fly, entries in Game On, Living Beyond Borders, and Up All Night collections. Her new book, It Sounds Like This, comes out August 2nd from Penguin Young Readers Group. It's Anna Mariano. Anna, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for being here. I just, I loved actually hearing all of my things because I don't usually, I usually write my own bios and they're terrible. So thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm glad it worked for you. I love uh, the action of just like reading someone's credits to them, basically just <laughs> a full shout out because it's nice to hear like, oh yeah, I did all those things. Yeah. Starting <laughs> to feel really legitimate. Like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you were legitimate from book one, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> so to get us started, Anna, would you mind telling everyone about It Sounds Like This? Uh, I would not mind. It Sounds Like This is a novel, a young adult contemporary novel. It is about a character named Yasmin. Um, she is actually a minor character from my previous YA contemporary, This Is How We Fly. Um, in that book, she was the younger stepsister. Uh, she was only 10. She was kind of this mysterious uh, force for the main character. She was like, how is my little sister so good at everything? Uh, <laughs> basically, that was like the whole the whole yeah. dynamic there. Like, I love her, but like, what? Why is she so competent and <laughs> successful and like, com- like able to do things already? Anyway, so now she's 16. Spoiler alert. A lot of that goes away because you're 16. Nobody's confident at 16. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got off on a tangent. Uh, So (laughs) Yasmin is uh, in marching band. She starts out as a flute and she's very like gung-ho, wants to be the section leader and wants to be the best flute player that there is, first chair. And very quickly she gets uh, into a bit of trouble she accidentally gets the entire tuba section kicked out of band. Uh, and so she has to join the tuba section to kind of fill in the ranks to kind of make up for, or at least she sees it as like atoning for this thing that she's done uh, so that like her friends will like her again and people mm-hmm. won't blame her for ruining the band. And so she joins this tuba section with seven freshman boys, asterisk, one of them's a junior, but uh, 
and she sort of has to do this little fish out of water story um, that is a very loose Snow White and the Seven Dwarves retelling. So yeah, she, uh, you know, makes friends with the new boys, uh, kind of like discovers that her little path to getting everyone to love her again, and also just her general life goal of getting everyone to love her all the time may not be exactly what she needed in life. Uh, and also has some fun times playing tuba. Yasmin is such, I mean, of course, I'm I'm screaming down the barrel of 30 right now. So like, I can only relate so far, but I know reading this at this time, she would have been so relatable to me. <laughs> Just the the idea of like, everyone has to love me and I have to fix every problem. And I also have to be good at everything so I can mm-hmm. get where I want to go. Yeah. Is, yeah. is just so relatable. And I know, I know the kids who will be reading this will love it. And I think um, the parents and, and people like me who also just love YA unabashedly, they're Same. going, they're going to have a good time. It was like a fun way to step back. To me, I, shocker, I was in marching band uh, <laughs> summer, right? This was immediately transformative. I was like, Oh, yes, I remember this. We have to prep. Although ours started, we did two summer band camps, uh, one in time for our 4th of July parade. And then, oh, yeah, it was was a weird trip to have to go to the school every day and be ready. And then, like you describe at the beginning, her going back just a little bit ahead of school to start to get ready because... I feel like the first football game is always either like right before school starts or like that second week of school. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's yeah. some nonsense. <laughs> I So like full disclosure, my marching band in high school was bad. Like we were just awful uh, and I loved it and I did it. But like, mm-hmm. we, you know, and I think I, I think I made Yasmin in a slightly similar situation of like, we were trying to get ones at UIL, but we knew it wasn't going to happen. Like, yes. Um, and, you know, we, so we were not the competitive, like going to contests outside of UIL kind of band. So. Um, UIL is Texas. I don't know if that's. Oh, we have we have similar things. Everybody. Yeah, okay. yeah, there's um, there's competitions everywhere for, yeah, for marching like, band so, and ensembles. So we just had the one, uh, you know, like school board, whatever sponsored yep. one. We didn't go to anything outside of that. We didn't like travel to go to contests because we weren't good. Uh, <laughs> so like I tried to kind of make the, the book uh, band a little bit better than we were. Like, for example, actually performing full shows on the halftime, not just doing like one little piece all the way up until the last one. Uh, <laughs> Because I also know that I was basing it on um, my cousin's actual school neighborhood that was a little bit better, but I don't really, I didn't get to go visit them because it was a pandemic. So right. uh, I just kind of muddied the water. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, uh, the the world of, co- like, we didn't ever travel for uh we always had wild school levy things anyway. There was a there was a whole year where we only played at home games and didn't go to away games. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, but we always hosted um, a band spectacular here. So people would come to us, but it was never a competition because, yeah, we didn't want to, <laughs> we didn't want to know where we ranked. It was, uh, it was different when it came to like our ensemble stuff in the rest of the oh, year. But, but yeah, so, well, that answers my first question for you. Uh, you know, as a former drum major and marching band member, hey. you were also in marching band then, it sounds like. Yes. And I have to say, like, I was a flute player, but mm-hmm. I was the opposite of Yasmin. I was Han. Uh, <laughs> If you've read yes, the book, uh, I have. <laughs> yes, um, Han is a character who, and it's great because I like to mix and match uh, name in, names inspired by people that I went to school with and personalities that don't match those names. Uh, I feel like that <sighs> makes it that. safe. 
Yep. <laughs> so I took my my flute personality of like, I don't care. I'm not going to play. No one can hear me anyway. I have other <laughs> things going on mm-hmm. and put it with the name of someone who was absolutely not that in my high school marching band. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted there to be a slacker flute. Uh, but yeah, I was I was the slacker flute. And then when I went to college, we had a scatter band, like a, you know, fun yeah. we don't march, but we make fun of people. Uh, nope. And the A&M band sometimes attacks us. Uh, <laughs> it was like in the 70s. It didn't happen to me. Um, totally. So uh, I kind of, I played flute for like maybe a year. And then I actually switched over to being a show assistant where we made like these little cardboard props and we ran around and we put on like, ridiculous costumes. And we were just like the extra drama kids of the marching band, which was really who I should have been all along. Uh, <laughs> marching band drama kid is the is the intersection I was going for. Absolutely. And sometimes you find your journey when you need to find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, uh, not to make this a marching band podcast, but we were a military style marching band. Ooh, okay. So it was very clean lines, mm-hmm. straight formations. And we always envied when we'd see like the different scatter bands or people who would dance just like throw down their instruments and yes. have like a Harlem shake that there we go <laughs> dating myself uh in the middle of their performance uh yeah that's yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well good times good times good reflection but you kind of you're doing great you're killing me uh giving my questions answers before I can even ask them that's my favorite the, yeah. exactly we're already connected <laughs> um so You've shared kind of how you come up with characters. Is there uh, more to that? Do you take components of people you know always? Or do you find like a blend? What is your process for creating characters like? Yeah, I am. I'm actually, I don't remember if I got stole this from someone or say it myself, but I actually use the term like blender. Like Love I it. put all of my life into a blender. That's how you get fiction. Um, and yeah. I teach my students that as well. Um, so I think, I mean... It's always like every character has to have some part of me because otherwise I wouldn't understand what they're doing. They have to have some part of like somebody in my life that I looked at and was like, huh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Weird, usually. Or interesting. I understand that. Or interesting, relatable. Um, But like it can come from so many different places and then I often mash them together. So, you know, it'll be somebody who looks like somebody I went to school with, talks like, you know, what I imagine one of my, you know, second grade students would grow up to be, uh, has the name Uh of like a cousin has the, you know, like it's a lot of that taking Uh little pieces. Um, and then they say a line that I said out loud to my friends one time and wrote it down because I thought it was funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do have a quote wall. I do like, if I, if I'm sometimes looking for just banter, I just go to my quote wall, throw that in. That was my dad's joke. Now Bloom is saying it. Uh, so that's yeah I think that's how I create characters uh I also then like fall very hard in love with them and then they get a life of their own uh, which is the most fun part is like um you know I'll have a character who maybe is like three people that I played sports Mm with and I put them together and then all of a sudden you know that character starts doing things and saying things and they start becoming like this fleshed out person I'm like hey I didn't steal that from anyone they did that on their own (laughs) I, from getting to read the advanced reader copy of It Sounds Like This, characters are clearly like your your strong suit because because they are so real. They're so relatable. They're people you know, but then, right, it it doesn't ever feel like, um, oh, this is 
this is clearly just someone lifted from here and dropped there. They evolve in their own way. And you care about what happens to each person that I don't even think some of your background characters ever feel throwaway. It, it always feels like like a walk-on in a sitcom. Like, <laughs> you know, this is just this person is coming through for a moment, but you're gonna think about them later too. Aww. So there's there's absolutely something to it. It's my that's like my goal because that's what I love reading. Um like I think I've been uh, talking to Johnny Garcevia because they just read this book. Um but like that was my thing that I loved so much about 1500 miles from the sun like every character I just wanted them all to be like so happy and so good and I think oh now I'm forgetting because it's been several months now but um the character who got valedictorian at the end and I was just like yes this is not a major plot point at all but yes but you care you're invested and it's so nice because it it becomes really easy to fall into it while reading because you're like oh I have stakes in this game it's not just where is the story going it's like no where are these people going yeah so I'll of course ask you what inspired you to write but first what inspired you to teach Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> the one you probably get a little less <laughs> definitely yeah which is weird uh I have so many answers and they're all like fighting to get out of the door at once. Uh, Okay, so I think I just am bossy. Like, because I was like, oh, well, it started with, no, wait, it started before that. No, wait, it started before that. You know what? I may just come out like this. (laughs) Uh, Because I I remember very specifically, like, as a kid um, in class, having teachers, like, ask questions and to my friends, um, and I would be sitting there going, if I could just beam the answer to their head, then we would be done and and they would be happy and the teacher would be happy and we'd be done. I wish I could do that. So I feel like, you know, teaching and writing are just two different ways of like beaming information from from your head into someone else's head. So I I did uh, find a way to do that. Um, Then I also had a little brother eight years younger. So I spent a lot of time, you know, doing like, I'll read to you, I'll show you how to use the crayons. why did that need to be shown? Who knows? He was doing it wrong. That's why. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so lots of that. And then um, I think at some point in high school, I had a teacher who did actually tell me like, you should look into. Um, I think she told me I should look into special education, um, mm-hmm. which is like not something that I do specifically, but it's something that really informs all of my tutoring because like, you have to you have to go in knowing that like not everyone is diagnosed for example uh yasmin <laughs> dealing with some undiagnosed uh dyslexia um and i you know i i like kind of having that perspective so i did study i didn't do like a i didn't get fully certified for special ed but i did take several like you know elective courses to do that um thought about doing it as a certification um worked for a couple years worked showed up for a couple years uh when I was in college and you could just do that I just showed up at an elementary school here in Houston um that has a deaf ed program and just was like hi I'm here uh you don't pay me so I might be late who knows uh, yeah so I, I've done stuff like that and I think it is always like good to have that approach and so I, I did have a teacher who specifically told me like you should think about special education and I was like oh I didn't even think about any kind of education, but now I will. Yeah, so I think that's, uh, and then I think I keep teaching and I actually tried at some point, I think after maybe my third book or something, um, Mm -hmm. and I was hired to uh, 
right? A little like Frankenstein. Uh, yes, for Apple TV Plus. Yeah, not a like retelling. The opposite of a retelling. Yes, an, yes. <laughs> an adaptation for younger readers. And I realized like this will pay my bills for the whole summer. Um, so I took the whole summer off of teaching thinking like maybe this is my future. Maybe when I can finally make it as a full-time writer, I can uh, just do this. Right. And honestly, I didn't love it. I think that having had that experience, my plan now is not to give up tutoring necessarily. Um, mm. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I love writing and I want to keep writing and I would love to do it even more. Uh, like, I, it's not, my goal is no longer to like get done with teaching. And I found that out because I tried it and I was like, no, I miss my kids. And also, what is the point? Like, I'm just writing by myself. I don't talk to anyone. It's not... It doesn't, it doesn't fuel all of the different kind of pieces that you need, like, to yeah. be filled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really love, like, being able to write for kids and then work with kids. It's obviously very, like, symbiotic there. Um, Absolutely. Do you yeah. find that you take inspiration from your students? Yes. <laughs> or, or even, like, do you find that you are trying to write things that you know they'd read? I think a little of both. I do, uh, I am kind of laughing right now because I have so many of my kids want tragedies right now and I'm just like I'm sorry that's not not what I'm trying to do yeah, like, <laughs> mm, sorry the world is sad already but they don't understand escapism yet right I mean and I'm sure some of them do but I just happen to right now have several kids who are like the song of the and Adam Silvera and like I tried to read this one but it was too happy and I'm just like all right you do you uh I keep thinking maybe I should but I'm just not there uh in my own heart sure. absolutely I don't blame you there <laughs> uh yeah but no I do think and I think that there's just like you know some things that you you want to be able to like write something that feels real and of course you can write even like historical fiction mm -hmm. um like the 90s for example uh and, huh. and it can feel very real and it can feel very human um, but I also think it's fun. And I've, I've always been someone who like doesn't mind dating my books. Uh, I say that, but then I wrote about Quidditch and now I just regret that so uh, much. Yeah. I so mean, I learned my lesson kind of, but not really. Um, that's not dating so much as it just sometimes people suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, I always said like, oh, well, I'm going to reference all the pop culture I want because mm -hmm. who cares? Uh, That'll never be a bad thing. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, I do write about five years behind, mm -hmm. I think, um, because I definitely wrote this book in response to Hurricane Harvey. Uh, again, not very well concealed. That was, um, now I'm forgetting, 2017. And it, I didn't like deal with it until now. And I feel like kind of similar with, um, well, I haven't even touched the pandemic yet. Don't even. <laughs> You've still got a few years there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, and I don't, you know, I don't, I'm in early stages with this project. I don't know that it will become anything necessarily, but like just now I'm starting a project with a character who's had a traumatic injury. Um, when I had my traumatic injury in 2019, uh, broke my pelvis and like spent, you know, six months oh, not super ambulatory. So, um, and everyone at the time was like, are you going to write about this? And I was like, no. And they were, I, I was wrong. They were right. I'm going to write about it probably. Uh, You're like, not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, what made you decide to kind of set that that kind of window on your writing or is it just how it you've just seen the pattern it's not intentional right yes I'm not okay. like making that decision it just has what I've noticed and I know um so this is how we fly 
really took me five years to write or more. So, you know, I started it with like a very 2015 mindset. And then even when it was published, I was like, listen, in my heart, it's always set in 2015 because Ellen doesn't deserve to have to deal with Trump. Um, that's really what it is. And so kind of similarly, like, even though it came out in 2020, it wasn't, I can, I can already feel how like 2015 it still is. I could already feel that when it was published. And I was like, you know what, it's fine. Maybe somebody wants to go back to 2015. Uh, and then this one, you know, it's, it's very interesting because it's, I, I feel like it kind of deals with some of the emotions of the pandemic in that mm -hmm. roundabout way of like, we've missed so much and we're recovering and we're, oh, we're so resilient. Absolutely. Uh, so it like, it happens to work out that way that it, I, I hope that it like resonates for that reason. Um, but I was really talking about a recovery that we already went through five years ago. I knew what was going on. I was aware of it in the news and just kind of seeing everything happen. Um, reading, you know, other than the reminder of like, oh no, this is, this is flood damage from the hurricane. This is, you know, these are all kind of results. Uh, my brain, just the placeholder took over and I went, ah, yes, we're coming back from the pandemic. We're all dealing. So yeah. yeah, no, you're the answer for me is yes. It felt like that immediately of like, oh, it makes sense. People lost a year of their lives. This mm -hmm. is different. Like, you know, a, a business fails, a, you know, a school year is changed. So I found it very easy because that's the shorthand now of, and I think anytime, if I read something from 20 years ago, that was like, missed x because of uh, yeah. you know like even even in the sense of like when you suffered a traumatic injury i think my brain now has just forever changed that i would probably also relate it to this yeah. time no totally and it was i i mean for me it was harvey was in 2017 my traumatic injury was in 2019 and it it basically rolled straight into the pandemic right into there was the like pandemic. Oh. there was like a maybe a 6 week period where i was working normally um and that was it so, yeah, um, it's kind of become like a thing. Uh, but I also then wrote this entire draft of, um, of, of It Sounds Like This. I wrote in the early stages of the pandemic. So I was, you know, it, like it, it wasn't divorced from the pandemic. It's not like I wasn't, you know, dealing with it. But I don't think I've like processed it as a pandemic. I was processing it as the thing that I've already been through and made it through. So what made you decide to include the hurricane? Is Has writing become a, a process of processing for you or grieving almost? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that Houston has just been shaped by hurricanes at this point. Like, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And so it was one of those things where, you know, I like to write about Texas because growing up there wasn't a lot of stuff about Texas it was just holes um and holes is a great book like it's a great book it's amazing got lots of good things um but it is very like Texas oh did you mean deserts and racism and like yes not wrong but it's also not my experience like I'm Gulf Coast you know big city Texas it's a very different life um so I like to write about Texas and I like to, like you said, you know, kind of try to mirror some of those experiences, some of those things that I see my kids going through, some of the things that I'm going through. Um, so I think it just felt like, oh, and I had chosen to use the suburb of Kingwood, uh, which is a real suburb, in my first book. And then Kingwood got hit on one just of the hardest. Yeah, like they didn't actually have a school for a year and a half, I think. Um, oh, wow. After Harvey. Yeah. So, um, 
it just kind of made sense. And I think I was looking mm -hmm. for a way to start the story off to give Yasmin like a, a wound, as my brilliant friend uh, taught me that you have, you need to give your characters a wound. So I think I was looking for that because also like I had written Yasmin as this very, very competent 10 year old, which is normal. Like 10 year olds are, are like that. And then 16 year olds aren't. But because of the way I'd, I'd set her up and I, the way I like thought of her as a character, she was like almost too stable to be a protagonist. Uh, yeah. And like, so Ellen was very easy to make. I mean, I did a bad job because I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first like <laughs> novel <laughs> that I didn't outline or anything. So like, like it wasn't easy for me, but it was easy to have her react to things and have those reactions build and have the drama sort of take over and drive the plot. Um, and Yasmin just wasn't going to be like that. She is always trying to say everything is fine. I'm good. We're good. If we're not good yet, we'll get there. I know mm -hmm. exactly how to. So like she was not going to drive the plot. So giving her like some of that extra heaping piles of anxiety of like, no, this year has to be perfect was a good way to set her up to just fail so miserably. And also, um, I mean, I also had to throw in some more volatile characters like Sophia so that there could be that forward motion. Um, but I think that like giving her that that background and that like need to make things perfect was important because otherwise she might have just been like, life is great and I'm not going to get affected by any of this and I'm not going to do anything. I will actually talk to people and have a nice year. And that wasn't going to that wasn't acceptable. She is definitely absolutely nothing is wrong. Everything is okay. We will, we will make ourselves believe this and we'll manifest it into being. Mm -hmm. It also really helps to make her kind of chomp at the bit because she is, she, uh, I'm going from horse to horse. Uh, she's like hitched her saddle to marching band. Uh, <laughs> yes. And like, that's, you know, she's putting all of this for her applications. This is her driving force forward. Mm -hmm. She can't have a bad year. And that's, kind yeah. of what she creates in the process but I <laughs> yeah. mean e even from like the first the first few pages you can see that she will fully avoid conflict her yeah. best friend hasn't talked to her all summer basically and she's like oh yeah no we're totally fine and she'll be forced to make things okay because she's gonna drive me to school <laughs> like yeah yeah big on that like oh time heals all wounds and if not then I will <laughs> what encouraged you to go into YA what what was kind of your your motivation for writing for that yeah I, I think similar to what you said I just really love YA mm -hmm. um I my mom I need no better reason than that <laughs> yeah. like I'm with you but yeah yeah my mom <laughs> now tells this joke to her friends of like oh Anna was so precocious she was reading these like chapter books in you know early elementary mm -hmm. and then she kept reading them and then she kept reading them and then at some point I asked her when are you going to graduate to real adult books and she said never and I thought I I thought ah she'll grow out of that and she didn't <laughs> I love um, that yeah so that's that's my mom's way that she narrativizes that um but yeah I just I just like it I think that there's and now I do read some adult books um especially on Libby I listen to romances because there's some amazing uh, like the the brown sisters you know um so but like I do think that there's something like just fun about having characters deal with everything for the first time it's just more fun uh it's like it's great when you have like a you know a second chance romance or like a character who's really set in their ways and you want to see them get out of it like I can appreciate that now and I'm also you know 30 now and I'm starting to see it a little more um <laughs> 
but it's just more fun to write the characters who are like, this has never happened to anybody. I'm having the worst day of the entire world. That has to be so much fun because you get to, in the process, you are still creating the character. The character never stops because your writing is also what's making them grow. So no, I, I yeah. love that. And I also like, so since I do middle grade and YA, mm-hmm. um, I also love actually... Uh, Yasmin, I think, will be the first book that doesn't have this. Uh, I love doing mi- YA sibling, YA siblings with middle grade siblings in both directions, like looking at each other. Yeah. Uh, again, because I was, uh, you know, I had a much younger brother. I have right. some older, you know, cousins or friends and stuff um, that I was looking up to at some points in my life. And so, like, I love getting both of those dynamics because I think they're really funny now that I can, like, and I, and I can talk to my students who have older or younger siblings and I can see the way they interact. Um, so I think it's really fun to write middle graders looking at teenagers like, what are you? And then teenagers looking at middle graders like, what? <laughs> it's the, like, why are you like this? And yeah. why are you like this? <laughs> yeah, I think it helps get that tiny little bit of perspective. Like, oh, okay. How do you prepare yourself to write? What is your what is your setup like? Music, coffee shops, <laughs> snacks, like I I want to know it all. <laughs> yeah, well it uh for me it changes a lot. I always mm-hmm. have a ritual, but it always like my ritual changes so many times. So I think before before the pandemic, um I was a very big coffee shop person and I had like two or three places that I would cycle through. I don't put headphones in. I just like let the like coffee shop noise happen um which is like the right level for me mm-hmm. um and also like it helps to have snacks and it helps to have um caffeine and all of that is great and when you get up to step away for a second there's actually something else visually that you're not like alone in your room yeah 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 and it also I think helps that like I'm going out and also and honestly I'm paying three or four bucks if I don't write it's a waste of my time um versus okay then the pandemic hit and for a little while at least like there were no coffee shops I couldn't go to a coffee shop and I was um I had kind of an interesting time drafting this book specifically because I had to sort of create ritual in my own very tiny apartment um I did a medium job so I had I actually for the first time had like a conspiracy board uh (laughs) with like index cards it was great actually I haven't replicated it since then but I did it um I like I think I had um one of my friends Laura Silverman recommended like candles for writing time so I did that for a little bit I would set timers a lot of timers to just be like okay you got to do it for this long okay now now you're interested now you'll keep going now we have to set a timer for a break now (laughs) so lots of like luring myself or like bribing myself with snacks or like even sometimes it was even buying a coffee to go and bringing it um and then, you know, now things are getting <laughs> better. Yeah, <laughs> medium. Um, yes. And so I've, I've been scoping out the, the best outdoor coffee shops. Um, and I, luckily, I live in the, like, coffee shop central of Houston. So I've had a lot of good options. But then, um, and so that was, that's been my, like, my last maybe three months of work have been, like, mm-hmm. outdoor coffee shopping. And now it's summer. And I'm having to readjust my ritual because suddenly outdoors yeah (laughs) suddenly outdoors is getting really dicey and um I'm not really sure how I'm going to but I know I'll find something (laughs) 
you did it for the pandemic. You can yeah. absolutely figure it out again. But I, I love that your process is just ritual. You have to mm-hmm. tell yourself like, no, we are doing this now. And and I have very specific, like, you know, I can point at that coffee shop and be like, oh, Leo book two. Or, you know, my very specific corner of the apartment and be like, that's where I drafted Yasmin. All right, cool. Um, and yeah, so I think I, I have a sort of a shorter project that I'm working on now. Um, co-writing project. Ooh. <laughs> Don't know if it will turn into anything, but if it does, it's going to be really fun. Uh, and it's, it's really just like this one, again, this one outdoor coffee shop, like coffee shop with a really nice outdoor area. And I'm like, all yeah. right, so this is my, this is my, uh, this is for my co-writing project. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, not the title, something about it. Co-writing project. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're also like, just like building little memories around, around your town. So you can say like, Oh, I can hearken back to this. They're like, oh, what a good memory to return to. Yeah. Do you find that setting things in either hometown, where you're at currently, you know, just kind of Texas in general, do you find yourself ever like going around for inspiration or do you find that um, you're not necessarily looking at what it's like now, but more of your memories from the past? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. I think Mm -hmm. that, again, there's like a lag. (laughs) sure I, i'm thinking about it i'm thinking through it and i'm like yes because like ellen goes to a little cafe with mm-hmm. her friend like team dinner um that is sort of a fictionalized version of about three different places that i used to go and eat dinner with my team like you know it's very yeah. like, like i got that inspiration and i i turned it into that thing um and then yasmin i don't think spends quite as much time outside of places i think she just goes to costco with her mom uh, <laughs> and church but uh there's this this reference to the place that like old grown-up ellen uh goes to and also uh, the drum major volunteers at this place that was a place that i didn't discover until like a little bit later and it's in houston and i didn't want to like name drop it specifically but it's basically the same <laughs> as what they're talking about um sure. i've been i've actually been asked specifically not to <laughs> not to talk about them on my social media very specifically because they're like no we like to skate under the radar of like texas politicians so you might be too famous Uh, to talk about us and i was like oh okay okay that makes sense at first i was like okay come on you're not that cool hipsters but the idea of like no no please just keep us safe that i totally respect i I think that maybe now they wouldn't say that this was kind of like when my first book was coming out and they were like oh what if you become famous and like i didn't so uh (laughs) i think it's fine but I did ask one time, like, could I do like a fundraiser or like a, you know, a very specific volunteer, like donate. And they were like, uh, we try not to get in the news. Okay, yeah. that's fair. We'll um, respect it. Yeah. So, so things like that, I think like, maybe I'm not going looking for inspiration, but I think I end up getting inspired by whatever I'm doing in Houston. And, and still kind of creating your own place at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, how do you come up with your titles? What's that one? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I am bad at titles. Um, anytime yeah. I have to save a Word document, I struggle. So uh, <laughs> I can't imagine trying to come to the end of like this whole beautiful draining process and then have to put a name on it and go like, no. Yeah, yeah. I had, um, and this was rough because I had a title for the original um, This Is How We Fly. I actually like what we ended up with so much better, but I had it in mind and like in my head, I was like, since this is the title, the companion novel Yasmin's story will be titled this, Womp, uh, when that title changed, which, you know, was more of like a, 
the powers that be have deemed this title and please come up with a new one. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I was sort of struggling and we were throwing a lot of things at the wall. And when I came up with This Is How We Fly, I loved it, but I was like, ooh, I don't know how I'm going to sequel this (laughs) or not sequel, but you know. Right. Even just companion. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like there's more pressure to do that now. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when I was a kid, books would just like have titles. And even if they were in a series, you know, like I read um, uh, Patricia C. Reed, like I read the Dealing with Dragons. I read the very last one, which is like the main character's like son first. And I remember just like as a, as a like middle schooler being like, this book was interesting. I didn't really get kind of at the, in the last third, there was just suddenly like 28 new characters that all came in and were like, yay. And I, I don't really know why that was. And then like, you know, then as an adult, I read the whole series and was like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> Makes more sense now. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, but so I like, I do feel like there's more marketing and branding and like, you have Definitely. to kind of know what your books are like you have to know that they're related because there's like a similar word or there's a similar structure. And right. that's why we keep ending up with the blank of blank and blank. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, I, I felt like it was going to be a struggle. And then I don't even, honestly, I don't remember who came up with, with the title for it sounds like this, because I know that Penguin came up with some options and me and my writing friends brainstormed a bunch of options. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember who gave me, this is how we fly. Um, but I, I don't remember who gave me, it sounds like this. But I knew that I wanted some sort of connection. I wanted it to kind of have the similar vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted it to be that similar. And that, that was tricky because this is how we fly is like, it makes you want to go do something. Um, and so I wanted something that kind of had that vibes. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know how well it succeeded. I also think it's hilarious because I have trouble telling people the title. If they're like, what's your book called? I'm like, it sounds like this. And they're like waiting for what like it sounds what? like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think it's successful once you're introduced to the character. Once you meet Yasmin, you go, oh, I now hear her saying to me, it sounds like this. You know, she is she wants to be first chair and she will pick up that. Fl- I mean, I want to say in the first few chapters, she's describing that action of just being like, no, this is how you play the complex part. <laughs> and and so it to me, it works. It works really well. And it evokes the same energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't envy I don't envy <laughs> you having to come up with titles, period, let yeah. alone having to try to leave it open enough to turn into something. Yeah, it's it's rough. If if there is, because you know, we don't know what's gonna happen with publishing. Publishing is weird. But if there is another, if this this new YA project that I'm like just barely starting to tinker with uh yeah. shows up, it would be another contemporary like uh fairy oh. tale retelling. Sure. So it would kind of fit into that same little category with these other two books. So I would, I, I'm already like brainstorming. I'm like, okay, I got to have like this in there somewhere. <laughs> Apparently that's my word. I picked a really unique word to tie my books together. Um, Do you ever struggle putting yourself in the mindset of middle grade and like high school students? Um, not yet. <laughs> Very immature. Uh, I do, I, I do, I do wonder if it's going to, be harder uh just because like now you know currently I know a whole bunch about like mortgages didn't want to put that information in my brain but it's there and like I don't know if that will you know kick out what it feels like to like get your first crush or whatever uh (laughs) I hope not I would rather have the old one but um 
so I do wonder like if it's going to get harder. I think that of course, hanging out with my students helps. Um, I think mm -hmm. just remembering that like, you know, you're a kid, you have all the same emotions. It's just the context that you have to put them in is different. Absolutely. Um, so like, I hope, I hope it won't get any harder. So far it hasn't been. Um, I'm still three 11 year olds in a trench coat. <laughs> That's uh, who this podcast is operated by. There are, okay. <laughs> there are three top, actually, I don't even think we're 11 year olds. We're three toddlers in a trench coat. So uh, do you have a favorite book or favorite author or one that helped kind of shape and define your writing style? Or you can answer both of those separately. Ooh, yes. Um, my current uh, like there's like I know, you know it's the such separation. a tough <laughs> yeah uh well I'll start with like old old stuff because we were mm -hmm. talking about old things um old books that the, the way that it was when we were younger um mm -hmm. so a couple of things Ella Enchanted every uh fairy tale retelling in the world owes everything to that book like it's um amazing uh the movie was a travesty of justice and you know <laughs> it is what it is um justice for slandering uh so that's okay uh that book is amazing and i really loved it and i have a copy that is you know 400 times reread um also andrew clements uh who wrote very contemporary like trying yes, to just did. be there for the kids uh and he wrote the school story which is about publishing a novel Yes, he did. I yeah, which can I can imagine, see the jackets. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine pitching today? I'm going to write a middle grade novel that walks you through the publishing process. And that's really I, it. That's it. That's what it does. Like, that's I can't all. even imagine a little bit. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But like, that was an amazing book to write. And because again, because he was so good at like drawing characters and making right. you care about them. Um, and also just like efficient storytelling. It really worked. And as a kid, I picked it up in like maybe fourth or fifth grade. And I was a kid who loved books with my entire heart and like wrote books on paper with markers in the coloring center of my kindergarten class, but like had no idea that publishing existed, not even an inkling, not nothing. Um, nobody had ever sat me down and told me where books come from. Uh, that's, the more important conver conversation. I was going to yeah. say, that's a conversation every parent has to have with their child. Right. <laughs> uh, so that book was it for me. Like the school story by Andrew Clements was the book where I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And if I don't do it by sixth grade, I'm behind the curve. Uh, <laughs> this like is my life trajectory now. Yeah, yeah. No, so my, my best friend and I did that in middle school. We like traded chapters. We were both going to write our novels. Uh, oh. She got me a book about getting an agent in eighth grade. Like, um, I love that. Yeah, and that was all because of Andrew Clements, basically, because he made me think it was possible. Also, you know, Christopher Paulini didn't hurt, didn't hurt either. Um, yeah, just the fact that he was sixteen. I don't even. I don't. I don't think I even read Aragon immediately. Like I read it later on, but just the fact that he was sixteen, I was like, ah. I can do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't. It's fine. Um, the yeah. So those are like you know books. Also, Tamara Pierce. I feel like I just need to shout that one out. Um, for cool fantasy books um so those were like my my reading growing up and then um some of my current favorites I already mentioned Johnny um Amparo Ortiz who has Blaze Wrath Games I loved that book so much that was another like pandemic life was hard and I was in a reading slump and I picked that book up and just like devoured it and 
I don't know, 24 hours. So I was like, I don't know, because I'm not a plot writer and that book is so plot all the time. And I think it just was really like, I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever like fully appreciated what it means to like plot a novel until like until this moment. Like I, maybe it was just a bunch of factors, but like I love that book. I think that book is great. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of audiobooks. Um, so mm -hmm. the wow, my brain has broken, and I don't remember the author of the Brown series, but the Brown Sisters. I'm gonna get there eventually. On my Libby, uh, I want to say Talia Hibbert, but I'm afraid that's wrong. I think it's Talia Hibbert. I'm 85. percent uh, Okay, yes, it's Talia Hibbert. <laughs> been informed by my assistant. <laughs> Talia Hibbert, an amazing author who deserves to be respected and loved. Um, and then also uh, Jasmine Gilroy uh, is another romance author that I just like have recently been doing romance novels. So I see good to have good to have all the favorites and your reading is so diverse. You kind of create slice of life, uh, you know, narratives. And it's amazing to see that your background reading is so much different than that. Uh, you know, you, oh, yeah. you have kind of like a, a such such a different taste between what you read and what you write yeah that's true except for except for 1500 miles from the sun which is very true exactly what I want to write all the time I just want to write that book <laughs> except yeah I can't Johnny already did oh and Anna Marie McLemore how could I not the, <laughs> the queen the royal sovereign of fairy tale retelling what do you think of when you think of the library just a random free association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I, I got two kind of at the same time. One is my, my middle school library, which I think was the first time that I like super frequently walked in with no supervision and just like pulled whatever I wanted. Um, and that was when I was deep in my fantasy phase. So I think that's like, it was like a lot of fantasy books. It was the Patricia C. Reed and Tam Tamara Pierce mm -hmm. and um, some other books that like were on the shelves and I picked them up and was like, whoa, what's going on here? Okay. Um, but like, I think I just had a little bit more like that was the first time I was going in by myself and picking. Sure. And then second, uh, maybe because we were talking about floods, uh, is my like more neighborhood library. Uh, I just remember the sort of like the time that it was flooded, rebuilt, and then like shut down again for the pandemic. And it's, they're sort of layering over each other, like the right. times that it's been out of commission, um, which is a little sad for that to be the association. But and so like, I remember there was a summer where we went to a different library and then they were building it and then it, they rebuilt it and it was really fancy. And then we would go to that fancy version of the library. Um, so, yeah. So uh, to start to wrap us up, um, just wanted to shout out your dedication. The book is dedicated to all the group chats that got you through. <laughs> yes. I love that. Are you a big group chat friend group? <laughs> I guess, I think I have um, very specifically in the pandemic, because I, I have several group chats for my different phases of my life when we were um, all living together and now we don't. And so like, you know, I have a lot mm -hmm. of friends scattered kind of across the country that used to be my core group of people that I hang out with. Um, and I think that, you know, for, with some of those groups, like 10 years has, have passed and we haven't really like been super close um, physically since then. But the pandemic was a really interesting time suddenly we're all like well we're all sitting at home anyway distance isn't really an issue so what if we just do weekly movie nights what if we you know start playing D Dungeons and Dragons what if we uh 
you know, have these chats. And then for my writing group chat, it was, what if we co-write a novel together? Like, uh, that was a little later, but, um, I just felt like, especially when I was drafting this book, particularly it was, you know, everything else was gone and it was kind of just the group chats. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a great reminder that like, these aren't just like, it's not just an annoying notification machine. It's the people that I actually would be spending all my time with. Sometimes geography gets in the way, but like, these are the people that I'm closest to. And then of course, you know, with the low brass holes group chat being playing such a role in um, Yasmin's story, kind of, uh, just as like showing the development of them as a friend group, as like having their own little dynamics. Uh, I just thought it was a good dedication so um my quick final questions they're just questions from a nosy podcaster what are you <laughs> reading or listening to right now uh right 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 now right this moment i just opened it and had to see it uh, i'm listening to the heart principle by helen huang mm -hmm. and i am about to start one of these two. <laughs> oh, oh, oh witchlings is witchlings uh, and yeah Witchlings is a my like I just I just got the hold availability so it's oh, downloaded nice. and ready to listen. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. I've been wanting to read it forever. Uh, my TBR is backed up. Same. Wild, um, but I'm very excited about it. Clarabelle is amazing, and it looks like exactly my jam, and I'm very excited. Uh, same with the Marvelers, which is another one on my list of like yeah. I need to get this one read as soon as possible. Um, and then yeah, and then the Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora <sighs> Reyes is my other one that I might also start and then i'm also reading the confessions of an alleged good girl but i can't find it here in my shelf oh here it is <laughs> so i tried to read like eight books at once you know by joya goffney um i just felt like honestly i'm mostly excited about this because i was like hey i feel like yasmin would relate to that um uh so yeah so i'm, I'm juggling several books because well. now with all of that juggling do you have time are you binging anything right now <laughs> yes okay uh so critical role and dimension 20 are taking up a lot of my life right now um of i got into dungeons and dragons over the pandemic like many of us did and found out about the um community the the tv yeah like shows and so there's so much and i'm like uh getting very into that uh our flag means death was amazing so good uh heartstopper was amazing um and Abbott Elementary I just finished I was like behind I, I had started it and then I was watching other things and I just finished this the like season finale a couple nights ago and it was amazing oh I forgot I am reading another book also it's in Spanish what are you reading Anne Sin Filtros uh it's it's Anne of Green Gables if she was a fanfic writer uh living in Spain it's amazing I don't know if she's living in Spain but it was published by a Spanish author uh, and she's like very very intensely trying to get like the you know number one kudos fic uh for her fandom and then like you know gilbert comes along <laughs> writing a different ship getting more kudos than her it's amazing it's really good yeah um what is your go-to delivery order i know I, I pick up because everything okay so what's your go-to pickup no, order i know uh, i'm with you i know uh <laughs> anything that has like loaded fries so I've got a couple Ooh. of different restaurants that have like either loaded tots or loaded fries mm. around mm -hmm. Houston that I'm like I will drive to you to get the potatoes with cheese and other things velvet taco Vel velvet taco has good loaded tots and then okay fat bell these are all Houston I don't know if these are chains or not 
That's okay. I, we have listeners everywhere. I'm sure someone in right. Houston's going to go, ooh, I will be yeah. trying that tonight. <laughs> Tofu fat fries from Fat Bow. Do it, do it, do it. Ooh, that also sounds amazing. Um, where can the <laughs> listeners find you online? Uh, find me online on my website, annamariano.com. Super easy. Uh, find me on Twitter. My seven-year-old student once told me, I looked you up. You tweet a lot. <laughs> uh, changed the way I tweeted forever. <laughs> Kids like to tell it like it is. Yeah. Find me at Anna M is boring. And I think Instagram the same. I don't use Instagram as much, but I am there as at the same uh, Anna M is boring. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? It sounds like this. Uh, it no longer mentions Quidditch. <laughs> I had, I had a reviewer that said, you know, wow, this book was great. It mentioned Quidditch two times. Disappointing. And I was like, you know what? I can take that out. Yeah. Like my past pages aren't done yet. It's gone. Go. Well, there you go. Shout out to that reviewer specifically. It's no longer got Quidditch. It's no longer got, it doesn't even mention it. Uh, (laughs) I did try to get the new name because we are changing the name of the sport in real life because boo. Um, Right. So I tried to like, I, I asked like the queen of Quidditch, like, do you have the new name? Can I put it? And she was like, not yet. And I was like, all right. So then it won't be mentioned. It'll just be called Nerd Sport. Yasmin doesn't know what it's called anyway. She was 10 at the time. What would yeah. she know? She's like, you know, that nerd thing that my sibling does. Who knows? <laughs> I love it. Well, Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and share a little bit about your new book coming out. <laughs> thank you so much. This was so fun. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. And listeners, remember, it sounds like this comes out on August 2nd from Penguin. Uh, Make sure you check it out. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes.